and welcome to this Unpacked Short. I'm Charlie Pickles, I'm Managing Editor here at Unheard, and I am joined today, as always, by Peter Franklin. Hello. Who obviously writes our daily Unpacked column, and I'm also joined by Sally Chatterton, our Deputy Editor. Hello. So, today we are talking about the gender pay gap, which is actually quite frequently in the news, um, not always particularly well understood, often confused with the question of equal pay, but not to worry, because Peter, as always, is going to be able to explain exactly why we're talking about this in a very succinct way. Peter? Explain, but hopefully not mansplain. But, um, <laughs> well, it's, it's a piece by Claire Kane Miller for the New York Times, in which she brings out the point that um, the pay gap between, and this, this is studies that look specifically at spouses, um, and she says that the pay gap doesn't exist until the first child comes along. And whether it closes up again later um, is dependent on whether the first child comes during a vital period of um, 25 to 35 year old um, women. Uh, when, when they have, if, if that's when they have their, their first child, then it doesn't close up again. But if they have it before that time or after, then it does. Which makes sense, right? Because, I mean, 25 to 35 is a fairly formative period of someone's career. And actually, I mean, Sally, this, this isn't just going to apply to America. I no, mean, absolutely. We, had, we saw some information, didn't we, um, from the IFS saying that uh, men and women start on the same salaries at the beginning of their 20s. That slit the gap begins to increase towards the end of their 20s. And then it's when women go off and have children, isn't it, that, that, that then there's a, a, the gap widens greatly until I think it said that there's a gap of 33% by the time the woman's first child is 12. Which, which is, is really quite a, lar yeah, yeah. a large gap. Mm. So I guess the question is, what can we do about it? Well, there are returnships, aren't there, um, that happen generally in key professions. In the city, you see them a lot as well. And they are pretty effective, I think. But the problem is this is for only a small sample of women, isn't it, that they're working? Yeah, I mean, we're talking, I guess, a sort of handful of women that are fortunate enough to get on these these relatively small programmes, but, as you say, are, are very much focused on... I guess if, if, if one of the reasons why women's pay um, does drop so dramatically as a result of having children is because um, during that period they probably would have been developing new skills, having new experiences, getting promotions, etc., then what you want is a programme for women to return into, which sort of rapidly brings them back up to speed, if you want, after a period out. But I, I can't help feeling, and Peter, coming to you on this, I can't help feeling that this is sort of about making women and mothers fit into a current structure that is required, particularly in kind of, I guess, sort of advanced capitalist economies. Yes, you know, um, the emphasis seems to be on how can we make women fit in with the workplace rather than changing work culture to fit in with family life. Um, and if you think about yes, long hours, if you think about intrusive emails from the boss, if you think about just, well, why is the 25 to 35 year old age range so important for promotions? You know, can, can we not sort of expand our minds and realize that older people, especially older women, might be worthy of promotion and then there might be some overlooked talent there? 
And one of the things that I found most fascinating uh, about your Unpacked was actually that it's not that men don't also struggle with the fact that, you know, they probably want to get home to read their child a, a, you know, a bedtime story or maybe they want to attend a, a, a parent's evening or something like that. It's just that they have a different way of dealing with it than women. Yes, this was based on some research which was published by um, Harvard Business Review um, back in 2014. Uh, we'll have there's links to this on the site. Um, and um, it was based on interviews at, in high-pressure work environments. And what the researchers found was that men tended to be a lot more sneaky about <laughs> sneaking out of the office, whereas women tended to go through formal procedures to request shorter hours or more flexible hours, and their careers suffered accordingly, where employees weren't sympathetic to that, whereas men were quite good at individually and collectively covering for one another and say, oh yes, yeah, yeah, Henry, he's, um, he's, he's just off on a call or he's, he's away, away at a meeting. No, no, he's at home with his family, which I think on one level is great. Um, I, I love to see this long hours work culture being subverted, but it's not entirely fair and it wouldn't be necessary at all if it didn't exist in the first place. So you know, maybe men should um, challenge the culture rather than subverting it. And that's fair, isn't it, Sally? Because, I mean, it, it is fascinating that it's not that men are, are you know, simply working the 60, 70, 80 hour week and, and, you know, that's what's driving the culture. The fact that sort of they're having to hide their desire well, that's to it, be more it? flexible. It's, it's all very well saying that we need to change the culture of our workplaces, but it's not. It's absolutely not going to change until men are honest about wanting to spend time with their families. The, the workplace needs to become more family friendly and men need to step up and not be afraid to admit that actually what I'm going to go and do is go to Charlie's parents' evening or see Kitty Pantone. Yes. And, and what's fascinating actually um, is that you know we have incredibly long hours uh, in the UK. I imagine it's very similar in America, um, and yet here in the UK our productivity is pretty lagging. Now there's a whole host of reasons why that is, but clearly the very long hours are not you know making us some kind of massively economically dynamic uh, country. And if you look at some nations, thinking some of the Scandinavian nations that do a lot shorter hours, they've not got failing economies. You know they've just got a better balance. So actually it, it can be done. Thank you very much, Peter and Sally. Great discussion, as always. We hope that you have enjoyed listening. Thank you very much for doing so. Please, if you haven't already, and we hope you have by now, but if you haven't, do subscribe um, on whichever the platform is that you get your podcasts. And we hope you listen again for the next one. Mm-hmm.